What's up, my dudes? It's me, your boy, back at it again. And I'm here with episode, what, 131 of the Opinion Overload podcast? Let's check it out. Let's see. What do I got? Okay, never mind. It's not in that file. 131. So, I've been doing a lot of shit lately. Mostly um, dying in piles of homework. Uh, I had 400 astronomy questions this week. 400. You ever wanted to shoot yourself over homework? Because I did. And uh, I have a huge essay to work on. So I was working on that all weekend. But during my breaks, I would go work on that Menzel thing. Or uh, I relaunched my later account which was the thing I was using to manage all the social media accounts and um, started posting content to their scheduling it so I didn't have any fucking excuses about why I, uh, why I wasn't posting anything on social media. But I, I've been ungodly busy. Like, I'll sit there and I'll do work for, I don't know, f- two or three hours and then I'll go work on some podcast-related shit and then I'll go play Minecraft for like two hours and then I'll come back and go work on it some more. And I do not, I do not want to go to school anymore. This, this astronomy stuff is just killing me, dude. And the the problem is they're not even hard questions. They're just sitting there and you just have to like read this book and fill out the form because it's a form and you're just filling in words, but there's 400 things to fill out. So, Hmm. Not too happy about that one. Not at all. And I, um, I, I, I just don't. You guys want to learn about the Tierra Blanca Dara Madero Trail in Mexico for fucking mountain biking? Because that's what I have to do for business communication. I have to write an analytical report about how I'm going to pick a trail for Trek Mountain Bike Company for their annual board meeting. You guys hyped for that? Because I'm not. But I've been chipping away at some of the stuff for this week's podcast. I've been reading um, Meditations. It's not too long a book, so it's like, let me check. Mm, It's about 180... About 178 pages because 178 was notes so say 170 but I am kind of just sitting around most of the time doing stupid shit so there's that uh, I didn't go to practice this morning which is disappointing I woke up at I woke up at like 9 and I thought I woke up at like 4 p.m. I was like what am I okay and <laughs> I don't know what it was last night, but I woke up to go to the bathroom and I was in like a fucking Mexican standoff in the middle of the dream. And I I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, uh, I was considering doing a 10 day fast. I'm still considering doing a 10 day fast because I want to get down to fucking 200 or 195 for For worlds, but I just, I 
I don't know how to get there. I mean, I'm at like 208 right now. And the problem is doing a 10-day fast is going to be like fucking eight pounds lost. So that would be, eh, that'd be all right. It's, the whole thing is a mess. Everything right now is a mess. I've got finals coming up. I got, I've been trying to learn how to animate posts for Instagram. It's going to take a while before I got, you know, seriously, like, passable animation. So I'm going to be doing um, photo posts right now and then video posts. But it's um, it's pretty fun to learn how to an- animate. I mean, you're using Adobe Illustrator, so... I don't get why I yawn all the time on this podcast. I think I Pavlov's dog to myself. But... I don't know. I'm going I'm to go through some tabs on my phone and talk about them. Because that's, that's pretty much like... I've just been going through all kinds of different... Like, articles and stuff lately. So, I decided on... Uh, after this book... We're going to be doing Book of Five Rings. But after that one, I'm, I think I'm going to pick up Storm of Steel. It's a World War One like biography memoir type thing from a guy who was in world war one. And I want to cover that cause it, it's an underappreciated war. I mean, yeah, it fucking sucked because trench warfare was stupid, but it, it had some points where you, you, Oh, Oh my God. I don't know why. I don't know why I keep yawning. It had some points where you really would, feel for the people but I picked up a uh, not picked up I just found it in my recommended and it was a article that was talking about the Romans having uh, technology that could keep monuments like safe from seismic activity and Here's the, here's the direct quote here. A team of civil engineers in France have revealed that the Romans had ancient technology for building structures that acted like modern-day electromagnetic cloaking devices. The pattern of foundations in some major Roman monuments, like the Colosseum, provided protection against earthquakes by bending seismic waves around them. So, that's pretty... That's pretty advanced, honestly. And... If you really think about that, that means, let's see, the Roman Empire was 2,000 plus years old at this point, and the Colosseum, while not being in the best of shape, is still standing. So they were able to build something that lasted 2,000 plus years. And you got to be, you got to be pretty impressed by their, their, uh, ingenuity there and it's described in the the article as being a pattern uh that they figured out that just it worked for uh most large monuments i mean they didn't put on everything they put on just certain things but the a lot of it has to do with roman concrete which the concrete that they had was made out of volcanic sand, lime, and rock. Which you would think, not very good concrete. But 
it lasted 2,000 plus years, so you can't really knock him for that one. And um, I, I was listening to something about Machiavelli's Prince the other day, and that wasn't a one-off thing. Apparently there was a genre of books called Mirrors for Princes, and this was essentially a textbook or you know, a manual manuscript type thing that was given to kings, princes, dukes, any of that to guide their behavior and teach them how they should rule. So there's a bunch of these. There's Western European, Byzantine, Islamic, and Slavonic texts. But here's, uh, here's some, some crucial ones. Xenophon, The Education of Cyrus. Cyrus, however you want to pronounce it, Cicero, De Officius, and uh, Tao Te Ching, Lao Tzu, that's a pretty big one. There's also the The Prince by Machiavelli. There's a lot of them. I, I kind of want to go through them and... It reads so... I don't yawn almost any time in the day except for when I'm podcasting. What is going on? Uh, These are all pretty interesting, like the the Slavic ones. Ooh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. Neago Basarab. The teachings of Neago Basarab to his son, Theodicy, one of the earliest literary works in Wallachia. Wallachia is a... That's where vampire mythology came out of, I believe. So, there you go. If you want to learn more about vampires, go to Wallachia. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. Okay, I I have a medical issue that I need to get checked out. I was kind of looking at uh, I got buried on the ultralight subreddit and I was looking at ultralight tents the other yesterday in fact those things are weird because a lot of ultralight tents are just a tarp with a ground cover and then a like hiking pole in the middle of them so there are ultralight tents that are actually you know Traditional, you have a, a tent with a rain fly, and then you have a a tarp under it. But a lot of people in the ultralight community just don't want to carry an actual tent, so they just whip out a tarp and a ground cover, and they're like, "Well, this is it. This is what we got." Uh, it is kind of interesting though how that ultralight community works because I was reading a bunch of stuff in there, and it. It's this almost, uh, I don't know the best word to describe it. It's an obsessive need to lighten their packs. I mean, some people have their whole backpack down to below eight pounds. Now consider the average backpacking load is like 40 plus pounds, if I had to guess. I mean, I I don't know 
not ultra long range, but you know, moderate, like a week's worth, 40 plus pounds. So these guys are getting a week's worth of equipment down into eight pounds and below. That's insane. Like these people have no impediment to their mobility in the form of a backpack. So I was also looking because in order to do one project, I had to forego my philosophy homework, which not too big of a deal. The philosophy homework isn't always due that same day, and he always collects it to grade on the, the day of the test. But I really would rather do that than fucking analytical reports. Mm. So, back to ultralight. The the community around that is is pretty wild because you get a lot of people. You get different camps, right? You get tent sleepers. You get bivy sleepers. People who basically just put a cover around their sleeping bag and just lay it down somewhere. You get hammock campers. You get you know people who don't even bring shelter they just bring a sleeping bag and they're like i'm gonna just lay in this fucking ditch right here can't kill me um i i lean towards the hammock camping side because hammocks are way more comfortable than tents i mean it's it's just hands down a better experience if you have a good hammock and you have you know an under quilt and you have a good sleeping bag. Maybe some people put sleeping pads in their hammocks just to like widen them out. So it's easier to get in and out, but I, it's a way better experience to a tent in my humble, very limited hammock camping experience. I do agree though. Tents are good for certain situations. Like if you have, if you're in a high alpine area where there's not a lot of trees above a certain altitude and you're going to be above a certain altitude for periods of time, I mean, re- realistically, you shouldn't be camping above a certain altitude unless you have to. Like, you want to stay in the tree line for most situations. Because, like, with high alpine stuff, really what you're doing is going to a, a summit and then you're walking back down. So, no one camps at the summit of a fucking mountain. Oh my god. No one camps at the summit of a mountain, but they do camp at the tree line or right when it, it, uh... Right before the tree line stops. So, hammocks are useful, but the other thing, especially with them, is... Everyone has to have their own hammock. Like, it's not... That's basically non-negotiable. Because, you know, in tents, people go like, okay, we're going to pair these two people up, we're going to pair these two people up, we're going to have like three tents for six people. Yeah, if you had hammocks, six people need to bring hammocks. Because they make two-person hammocks. They do. But the two-person ones are really just king-size one-person ones. Like... When you lay in, this is this is some inside knowledge right here. You're not supposed to lay in a hammock 
like vertically. If you were looking top down and we oriented this hammock from 12 to 6, you're not supposed to lay vertically. You're supposed to be at like 1 to 7 or 11 to 5 because it spreads the hammock out and it makes it a more stable surface. So when two people hop in a hammock, even though it may be like weight rated for them and it may be sized for two people, they would basically be crossed over in an X pattern. And you don't move in that that layout. So that could be that could be a detriment to hammock camping because you have to find a place to hang, you know, in this case, six hammocks, which is going to be hard. I mean, unless you want to stack them on top of each other, but, you know, I don't know. This is this is my big tangent for the show. I, I do... I do want to get a... Um, I used to have an ENO hammock. It was good. But what I want is a Warbonnet Gear one. Hmm. <laughs> so I just pulled up Reddit. Um, in case you guys didn't hear, that Sonic movie that looked like it was going to be a fucking disaster, they're remaking the movie so that Sonic has a better look that fits more in line with the actual character. Which, no shit, is what they should have done from the beginning. But I saw someone mention, they're like, what if they just did that on purpose as a, as a ruse to try and drum up PR about their movie? That way everyone goes and sees it when they say, oh yeah, we fixed Sonic. He doesn't look like a fucking crackhead anymore. Um, I... I'm kind of looking forward to, if you ever heard of um, Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, the guy who made Castlevania, Symphony of the Night, his naming conventions are fucking terrible. Um, he's coming out with a new game. It's, it's a spiritual successor type thing to Castlevania, and it comes out the 18th of this month. So, your boy is going to be buying... Bloodstained Ritual of the Night because I could use some more Castlevania in my life. The other thing I wanted to get for a long time but never pulled the trigger on was Axiom Verge because people have said it's a metro it's a it's a Metroid game by a different name. And some people have said that it does the Metroid tropes better than Metroid itself. Now, I'm a diehard fan of Super Metroid and Metroid Fusion, but if Axiom Verge is as good as they say, then I guess I'd have to I'd have to try it out. It's like what is it? Axiom Verge Xbox One price. Let's move this laptop closer to me because it's 27 feet away. Axiom Verge Xbox One. It is Hmm. 20 bucks. It's not terrible. I mean, for a Metroid game, it's not... I... I have wanted to play the, uh... the first-person shooter Metroids. 
for a long time. Like, I played Metroid Prime 3 when I was a kid, and I never got past the final boss for some reason. And I feel like now, going back into that, I would fucking wipe that boss because I... I, It's not that hard of a game. Like, I just didn't get it down because when I was a kid, I wasn't that... I wasn't that good at boss fights. But now, having been through two Dark Souls, half of Sekiro, I think. I haven't played that game in a little bit. Um, those are really the big boss battle games. Castlevania has some good ones. But having more gaming experience and myself being a professional gamer for the MLG... I would probably wipe those games pretty easily because they're not designed to be hard. They're designed to be challenging, certainly, but they're not, you know, Dark Souls level hard. The one thing, though, that... Hmm, that's weird. My mic was looking kind of loose on the stand. Um, The one thing that I really want to see when it comes out is Metroid Prime 4 because... They they were going to announce it, but they said they're going to delay the game and they're going to redo it from basically scratch. And that's good news to me. Like, as much as I want that game, it's good news. Because, one, it gives me more time to save up for a Switch. Two, it gives them time to make a good Metroid game. And... The problem with that franchise, to me, is that it's been underappreciated in the sense that there was the original Metroid basically changed a lot of things in gaming. Metroid 2, Game Boy exclusive, was a good game, but, you know, being a part of the Game Boy, not a console-based, it it was okay, especially because the Game Boy screen at that time was tiny. Then you have Super Metroid on the SNES and by far one of the best games ever made far and away I think that's the best game in the Metroid franchise then you have Fusion after that good game I like it it's fun a more linear version of Metroid Um, the first it was either the first or second Metroid game I played I think the first one I played was Zero Mission And Zero Mission is a remake of the original Metroid. Also, I mean, if I had to put three games together for the best Metroid games in the franchise, it's Super Metroid, Zero Mission, and Fusion. After that, or at the same time as Zero Mission, Metroid Prime was released. And I never played Prime, but I heard it was a great game. And there's some other shoot-off, like... Metroid Pinball, which I had, and that was just, it's a pinball game. Nothing too uh, cool about that one. Then there was Metroid Prime Hunters, which is a multiplayer port for the DS. Um, I had that, and it had a campaign mode, but it was pretty trash, if I recall correctly. And after, you know, Prime, Prime Hunters, and then... Um, Zero Mission, came Metroid Prime 2, Echoes. Also, from what I've heard, a good game, never played it. Didn't have a GameCube when I was a kid. I had a Wii, 
but they didn't have the the Wii Virtual Console for those two games at the time. After Prime 2, there was Prime 3, which came out a few years later, I believe in 2007. Let's see. Metroid Prime 3. And Prime 3 was a good game. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, August 27, 2007. I really enjoyed that game because it was fun. It the the way the Wii worked with that game made it um made it way more interactive. And you know, it even though I never finished it, I got all the way to the end of that game and I I enjoyed it. After that, there was like an 8-year gap. No, no, even longer than that. Like a 10-year gap until Metroid Prime Federation Force, a game that I will never acknowledge as being a part of the Metroid franchise, was released. And that was a weird multiplayer game where you were a Federation soldier who was like the... You know how every sci-fi franchise has its like overarching military or government organization that's like, yeah, we're the good guys. Um, that's the Federation. And... It was apparently a terrible game. Didn't play it because I'm not going to spend $60 and buy a Switch to play a four-person co-op game that doesn't involve the main character of the series. So, after that, you had Samus Returns, an official remake of Metroid 2. I heard it was alright, but compared to AM2R, another Metroid 2 remakes that you can get for free online... I didn't play it because AM2R was a really fun game. Honestly, even though it's not a official Metroid game, AM2R is one of my top. It's in my top three. You know, I switch, I'd switch um, Zero Mission out with AM2R if I really had to. And, you know, Samus Returns was this kind of 2.5D game where it was, it was a side scroller, but it was also really, you know, 3D backgrounds with uh, alternating camera angles depending on the moves you're doing. I mean, AM2R was just a classic side-scrolling Metroid game. After this, you have Metroid Prime 4, which hasn't been even... They haven't teased us with anything besides the title card, no trailers yet, none of that, and hopefully it comes out soon. But in order to play that one, which I would like to, I'd have to get a Switch. So donate a Switch if you guys have any. Um, Samus has shown up in a bunch of other stuff, too. She showed up in all the Smash Bros. games. She showed up in um, a Mario game, but it was like a cameo appearance. I don't remember what game it was, but I know for sure that she did. And... uh She's got a few cameos other places, but I can't remember where. I I don't know. I think that was the first game I was really exposed to. Because I remember my first console game was Halo 3. Halo 3 was... Because I didn't, I didn't have a console until... Actually, no, 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 no. That was my first console game. 
I remember having a PS2, and I had the Lego Star Wars games. That was the first game I remember. And, come on, it's a fun game. Can't say they aren't. Um, but after that, when the Xbox came out, or the Xbox 360, and everyone had an Xbox, it was Halo 3. Because I had the Master Chief Edition Halo Halo 3 um, Xbox 360. That was the green one with the gold trim. And I... I don't remember a lot of Xbox Live because I was like eight and uh, as an eight-year-old, you probably shouldn't be on Xbox Live. But I do remember a little bit of it and that was where I was first exposed to all the swear words I use today. (laughs) And um, I have some some pretty fond memories of Halo 3 Forge and custom games and infection. Fuck, I need to play some Halo today. That's what I need to do when I get home after this. Actually, after this, I think I'm going to play a round of infection. And it's kind of cool when you think back and, you know, you're looking at all the games, how video games kind of accompany you throughout different periods of, of your life, right? For the longest time, for the longest time, and I mean from like 8 to like 16, Halo was my fucking jam. And it's still I still like Halo. But the problem with it is, you know, Halo 4 and Halo 5, like, they're okay. Hopefully Halo Infinite is the thing that ropes me back in and I'm going to love it forever. But I've always loved the campaign more so than the multiplayer for those games. And... You know, I when I did have Halo 5 for a little bit because I had the Game Pass and I liked the multiplayer. Like, it wasn't bad multiplayer. I, I wasn't playing the normal game modes like uh, Slayer or Capture the Flag, King of the Hill. I was playing, like, Action Sack or... Um, I forget the game type where it's just a bunch of... Like, every time you spawn, you have a different weapon. I think it's Action Sack. But I love that game mode because sometimes you would get, you know, a fucking pistol and you'd be like, ah, fuck you. Or you'd get this, like, I don't know, a rocket launcher or a fuel rod cannon or an energy sword and you'd just go on a rampage and people could not stop you unless someone else got some super OP weapon too. And that was fun. Warzone was all right. Um, I didn't like... I prefer Firefight. Like, I re-downloaded Halo Reach to my uh, Xbox a while back. And compared to Firefight, Warzone just isn't that good. Like, Warzone is bigger, yes. Warzone includes vehicles. Warzone is multiplayer and PvE combined into one game mode. Cool. But here's the catch. When I played Firefight, I don't, or anything like it, I don't really want a PvE component because the PvE component makes the game, you know, that much less enjoyable. Because while you're sitting over here, like, you know, capturing a position or you're trying to go kill some fucking mobs that spawned in, 
and some dude just comes over and murks you by assassinating you or sniping you from halfway across the map. You're like, can you fucking not? I'm trying to do some cool shit over here, and you're just fucking sniping me from over there like an asshole. So I wish they bring Firefight back. And I do, I absolutely hope to the bottom of my heart that Halo Infinite is a dope game. Because they're supposed to be bringing it back to that Halo 3 aesthetic. Everything is supposed to be <laughs> as it once was. And it's just... I, I hope Halo th- Halo Infinite is as good as Halo 3 was. Or as Halo 2. Because, you know, I've, I've gone bla- back and played it. I have the Master Chief Collection. Right now, because I leave my Xbox on when I do this. Halo, the Master Chief Collection. Tighten up the graphics. Close achievement. Complete every level of Halo 2, having seen it in both classic and remastered mode. I mean, the Master Chief Collection just popped up on my achievements list. So, I do, you know, the the thing with the game industry right now, especially, you know, AAA games, is they're shifting away from being actual games that are fun. What they're shifting into is this whole games-as-a-service model where you get a game, but this game is most often unfinished, and it doesn't have all the content that it's supposed to because they're going to release that content as DLC, you know, three months in three-month intervals, and they have all these microtransactions and shit, and that's not what I want. It's not at all what I want. What I want is something like, you know... Dark Souls or Sekiro, for example, the From Software games are great examples of this. A game where there's no DLC. I think uh, no, there's some. There is DLC for Dark Souls Three. I know there is, but it's not. It's actually it's really good. I like the Dark Souls Three DLC, and I'm not opposed to DLC. Like there was uh, DLC packs for Halo Three, and I had them because they were cool. But then they were like nine bucks, I think. They're between like 10 and 20 bucks, which isn't that bad. I think they were 10 bucks. Um, how much did Halo 3 DLC packs cost? Let's look that up. How much Halo 3 DLC packs cost? And. Answer. Oh, this is an old one. Yeah, ten bucks. The legendary map pack is seven fifty. So, okay. Here's what I'm saying. The DLC for Dark Souls is like twenty bucks a pack, and there's like two of them. But when you have a game, think of any game out there, whatever your favorite one is. I'm gonna pick for this example, Dark Souls. Dark Souls 3. That game, I have spent hundreds of hours on, and I only paid 20 bucks for it. Because, you know, I did buy the game late, but I paid 20 bucks for it. In fact, I don't even know if I finished... I, I did finish Dark Souls 3. I didn't go... I didn't finish the new game plus that I did. Um... I I just, what people are missing now is the idea that these games are designed for, you know, friends to get together, 
and to play custom games or whatever. And these companies are shifting away from, hey, let's give these people a whole a whole game that's going to be satisfying. They're going to play it for a long time. I mean, people still fucking play Halo Reach. Not a lot, but people still play the multiplayer of Halo Reach. And it's like 2,500 people online per day. A small community, absolutely. But when that thing comes on to Master Chief Collection, it's going to skyrocket immensely because that game was so good. Had the best customization. It had it had a good campaign. It wasn't my favorite Halo campaign, but it, it was a really good one. It had great Forge, great multiplayer. It was, in some ways, it's the most, like, consummate Halo game. I know it's not a story about the Master Chief or any of that, but it is a great game. Now, the things that I, I'm disappointed with, especially, Bungie moved on from Halo to create Destiny. And when you listen to the stuff that Destiny was supposed to originally be about before they got involved with Activision, it, it, it could have been it could have been the next Halo. It really could have been because that's how good Bungie was. But then they signed in with Activision. Or they signed recently with some other big fucking Chinese like game license. I don't know. And it ruins their games because you have you have this game that's unfinished and every few months you have to pay $20 for more content that's just going to dry up in the two fucking weeks it takes people to get to the next max level if they grind really hard and it, I just I really cannot stand the the attitude that people take towards game development now because it's just disappointing and you know I've been kind of playing older games recently but if you look at things like Let's say Minecraft, for example. Okay. I've been playing Minecraft a good bit lately. That game is super basic, realistically. And in the however long it's been around, it's been around for probably like 10 years now. In the 10 years it's been around, it still has a huge player base. Pretty big player base, I think. I mean, it's not like 2,000 people. It's probably in the hundreds of thousands. With constant updates that are always, almost always good. And the opportunity to mod the game. All kinds of stuff like that. And I've only paid 20 bucks for that game. I paid $20. And then I got it for free on Xbox One. Because I had a PC copy. And I had an Xbox One copy. So okay, so I've spent spent forty bucks on that game because I bought an Xbox One edition and I have the PC edition for a long time. And I I really enjoy that game. Is like basic as it is. It's it's fun, or you know Sekiro. As hard as those games are. I feel satisfied and I beat them because they're full of content and they're full of challenge. Like a lot of games now are just like, you know, taking the Fortnite model 
right? You get fucking a free game, and after you get your free game, you throw up a bunch of DLC, not DLC packs, but uh, microtransactions. Like, I have a friend who texts me all the time. Like he's, he's a kid in high school. I play 40K with him. And he's like, hey, bro, you have 20 bucks for me to get this thing? And it's like, one, not really. Um, I My money is pretty sparse, too. But, like, he has... I've, get, I've let him borrow money for Fortnite shit before, but because I, I always trade for, you know, 40K-related stuff. And... He's got almost every fucking purchased skin in that game. Always pays for the, the battle pass thing that they have. And it's like, hey, man, you are making these people hundreds of millions of dollars off of a free game. And that's why I'm disappointed with the gaming industry right now, because they're just going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until people just stop buying games. I don't know. I don't have too much else to talk about right now. I sent a tweet and an email out to that Invicta dude today. Uh, hopefully I can get him on the podcast in the next couple of weeks. Um, be ready for the first edition, first edition or episode on meditations on Friday. And, you know, check out the uh, tweets. I'm putting out tweets. The Twitter ones are much shorter and kind of less detailed than the Instagram posts, but I want to be posting things. Uh, I have three days scheduled right now for this week and next week, but they're just parts of, you know, Roman history, mythology, culture, important figures. And that's on Instagram at opinion X overload, O V E R L O A D. And you'll check it out today. Today's, um, Monday, cause I'm just the day I'm recording it. The post is on Romulus and Remus, the brothers who founded Rome. And uh, go check that out. Like the show, share it, you know, do reviews, all that cool stuff. And I will see you guys on Friday. Peace out. Something